0: Today on CityCast Chicago, it's that time of the year, y'all, where we make the spring sacrifice. You know what I'm talking about. Losing hour of sleep on Sunday, gain some more sunshine on the back end. But before we jump into Daylight Savings this weekend, let's first look back on the week. To help me do it, I got two first-time guests of the show. From the Chicago Sun-Times, Cheyenne Daniels, and from Block Club Chicago, covering Wicker Park, Buck, and West Town, Quinn Myers. It's Friday, March 11th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is... It's CityCast Chicago. Well, I'm so grateful to have both of y'all in the building today. Joining me from the Sun Times, Cheyenne Daniels, who is joining us from her car where she is out on assignment. Um, I appreciate you making time for us, Cheyenne.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: And from Block Club, Chicago, covering parts of Wicker Park, Bucktown, and Westtown, uh, the homie Quinn Myers. Quinn, thank you for being with us.
2: Oh, my pleasure. It's been a real uh, honor to listen to your show the past, what, year now? You guys been around for a year?
0: Yes, a year next Thursday, which is pretty wild. Ooh,
2: so wild. But that's awesome. Congratulations. Huge accomplishment.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a beautiful ride. And, and I tell most of our guests, it really is because of y'all like y'all coming on sharing y'all stories sharing the things that y'all have been covering Uh, and these Friday shows in particular I love them because like I said uh, they're a potluck style we ask people from across the city from journalists uh, who cover vastly different beats at times to come in and share with us the stories that they were paying attention to the top story um, a a story that deserved a little more attention as well as my favorite part some good news (laughs) (laughs) to get the people to the weekend. Uh, But before we start with that, speaking of anniversaries, y'all, today is March 11th, which means it is the two-year anniversary since the World Health Organization officially named COVID-19 a global pandemic. In today's newsletter, I write about what I was doing two years ago, which was teaching classes at DePaul in the Loop And Harold Washington College. Uh, DePaul, it was actually our last day of school already. Uh, So for the most part, things didn't feel too awkward or different. We were already expecting not to see each other moving forward. But at Harold Washington, we were in the middle of the semester. And I remember at the end of the class, the students being like, are we gonna have class on Monday? And me just being like, I have no idea. And that night, city colleges told us uh, to prepare to move everything online, and I haven't taught in a classroom downtown in two years. Um, And I wanted to ask you all if you remember what you were doing uh, two years ago on March 11th, 2020. Uh, Quinn, I'm going to start with you. What what were you doing?
2: Sure. I can't remember if it was 11th or 12th, but it was right around this period that day or two where everything totally shifted we went from being like yeah this is kind of sketchy to like holy shit like everything's changed i remember i went to a show uh either two years ago exactly today or tomorrow at the empty bottle and it ended up being the last show at the empty bottle for a year i think more than Mm -hmm. a year um and everyone you know they were you know there were signs to wash your hands and to distance yourself and you know, I don't think anyone was that concerned, but it was definitely in the air of like, okay, we don't know what we're gonna do. And then two days later, I think the governor said bars, restaurants closed for good. And that was the last show that I went to for over a year.
0: Yeah. Cheyenne, what about you? March eleventh, twenty twenty shit kind of hits the fan. Do you remember what you were doing?
1: Wow, well, I can't believe you see you say two years and that sounds right, but at the same time it's like is that all, man? It has only been two years we've been dealing with this nonsense, you know? Um, so March 11th, wow, I was I was finishing up my senior year of undergrad. Um, probably was on spring break, I think, and had probably just heard the news that we would not be coming back in person. At the time, you know, everybody was like, Oh, it's only it's only two weeks. We're gonna be back.
0: Extended spring break. It's good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just
1: keep up with your school This is temporary, whatever. And I'll never forget, I, I have this on my, my undergrad <laughs> history or whatever. I, I did an article when COVID was first breaking out and when it first came to the States. And I had spoken with an epidemiologist about, well, how serious should we be taking this? You know, and he was like, <laughs> it's not that serious. You know, this is going to, we're going to move on from this. This is fine. It's a coronavirus. They're, they're everywhere. Your common cold is coronavirus. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, look now, some of us were wrong. I'm never going to no, forget that buddy. I had that. You know, that's, that's always going to follow me. I'm always going to be like, oh, man, I was one of those people who really believed that this was not going to last. And mm-hmm. here we are two years, late, two years later. It's dealing. amazing how
2: naive we were, right? We were just so naive. We were like, yeah, maybe in two weeks we'll be back or a month. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a wedding in May and I was like, oh, yeah. I'll be at the wedding for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it mm-hmm. was not.
0: Uh, it, it, it's, it's really funny because then I remember, like, once I got over that initial wave, it won't be two weeks. My birthday is April 30th. And so I remember, like, posting something like, okay, spring is gone, but summer shy. We're going to be back out here. Hell no, nah, boy. Sit your ass in <laughs> <across. laughs> you ain't going nowhere. All right. So let's get into some of the stories that uh, were happening in the city of Chicago this week. We start with a story that really stayed on the top of our mind. Um, Quinn, what was the story that you were paying attention to this week?
2: So something that kind of came to a head this week was the conversation around public safety on the CTA. Um, We saw we've been hearing I mean, throughout the pandemic, you know, we've been hearing stories of an increase in crime. I think uh, crime is up about 17 percent violent crime on the CTA, according to the city. Over last year. And then, you know, we all have our stories of, you know, the green line smoking car, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. or the red line, whatever line smoking car people, you know, you walk onto your, your train car and there's someone smoking a cigarette and then you run out the next stop to try to get some air, right? Um, so, you know, it seems like there have been an increase in those kinds of incidents, public urination, fighting, all that kind of thing. So this, this week, the CTA announced. They're going to double the number of unarmed security guards on, uh, buses and trains and also put more police on a, a few train lines. I think specifically on the red line and the blue line. Um, and those guards are also going to now be on the trains and buses 24 seven, whereas before they were there for about, I think, five days a week. Um, so this is the story I was, I'm interested in. The CTA, um, has kind of blamed the increase in unruliness on the decline in ridership, um, which is down. And by some counts, like 50%, obviously, because of the pandemic, right? So, you know, I think they're saying there are less people on the train. So people maybe feel emboldened to smoke a cigarette or pee on the train. I don't know exactly how true that is. But I think maybe a little bit. Um, so I'm just interested in, to see kind of how this plays out because there are always unintended consequences when you add more police or security guards to anywhere, right? Exactly. Um, so I think, uh, could be a good short-term solution um but you know are we going to have security guards on the L forever i don't really know how it's going to work out so that's the story i've been following um and then there's so it's really like the CTA is really just a microcosm of the whole city cuz mm-hmm. all kinds of people ride it and then you have um you know residents experiencing homelessness who ride the CTA and yeah. oftentimes sleep on the CTA or hang out all day on the CTA
0: yeah, the CTA, like you said, I think you stated it perfectly, really is a microcosm of the city. And and, and like other parts of the city, CTA needs investment. Uh, people want to to feel comfortable in the CTA. We need to invest in more eco-friendly trains. And uh, there's so many in, initiatives going on to, to try and modernize CTA. But there have been growing concerns of people, especially coming from, like, Things like CTA bus drivers who feel like they're not protected or they did not want to do. So these conversations, I try to respect people's lived experience who've been on the train or the bus and they do not feel safe. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, we all have stories. I've been on the train and have a person just staring at me and start yelling at me for 10 minutes. But I also know that that is potentially uh, another problem that's happening in our city with access to mental health resources. And and so the intersection of problems that's taking place on CTA can't just be stopped by adding more police officers. They are often reflections of other problems happening in our city. Uh, and and So like you said, the the short term of adding more security, adding more police officers uh, on CTA might make some people feel better, but I think we always need to remind ourselves it isn't going to address the root causes uh, that are having an increased uh, homeless population or or, or people experiencing houselessness on trains. It's not going to help the people who are experiencing addiction or mental health crises around CTA stops in our city. And and so I want to make sure we're taking a full scale approach at this.
2: Yeah. For sure, and my my colleague uh, mac lederman he he's been writing about this at Block club and he highlighted a program I thought was pretty interesting in San Francisco. Um, they have a program that deploys uh uniformed but unarmed civilians who are trained in conflict resolution um and I guess they've had more than twelve thousand interactions with riders over various issues, and the police have only been called a little over 100 times at the 12,000 wow. times. So that could be a program, Chicago. I think the CTA said they are looking at that. So that could be an option here uh, going forward to not have an official security guard or police officer, but someone who's trained in de-escalation.
0: Wow. Yeah. Shia, you want to jump in here?
1: No, I, I think that's incredible. And and um, I think it's very smart to be looking at other hugely populated cities and to see, well, how are you handling this? Because Chicago. I mean, we have we have resource or we have the ability to have these resources made available. We have the ability to make these programs, and if we know that it's happening elsewhere, why can't Chicago be just as good as? the you have a program that's working just as well in a city like LA or in New York or wherever it is that it's happening.
0: Yeah. We're always interested in talking about and breaking down alternatives uh to sort of over policing and overcrowding in in already uh vulnerable neighborhoods because we know that the security and the breakdown of these police, they're gonna fall along a certain map. And every map in Chicago is a map of segregation. We say it in so many episodes and we're gonna keep saying it. Uh Cheyenne, what was a story that really grabbed your attention this week?
1: I saw um from one of our reporters, Madeline Kenny, um, she wrote about a a woman in Wicker Park who was able to reunite with her aunt and uncle who had been in Ukraine during the Russian invasion. And I just want to start off and say the, the coverage of of. Um, that's been coming out from Ukraine. Um, the stories that we've been hearing about Chicagoans who have family connections there, who are working where they are here in our city to to help um, with the efforts that are happening overseas. I just think it's absolutely incredible. But this story specifically, um, this woman, she she's in Wicker Park and she, she was finally able to help get uh, her aunt and her uncle out of Ukraine um, after they were there for a week. Um, and she still wants to help. She still wants to keep helping. She wants to do more. And it's just, to me, it's so, it's heartbreaking, but it's so inspiring too, to see that somebody, they don't want to stop, you know, they don't want to just stop it. Well, I I got my people out, so I'm okay. No, I want to do more. And and we experience this pain and I don't want other people to have to experience this pain. I want to see how else I can help it was, it was a, a heart-wrenching story to read for a lot of reasons to know that that when there's this beautiful cover photo that they have on the story of, of the young woman, Jackie Barov, hugging her, her, her uncle as he gets off the plane at O'Hare. And it's moments like that that I think really shows just how resilient Chicagoans are and just shows us just how much power we have in this city just from our, who's living here. Um, and, and I think that was... It was a beautiful but painful story, and and that one really stood out to me this week.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really appreciate the the coverage that's been coming out of Chicago. Uh, We've seen so many kind of national broadcasts, other local coverage, uh, really kind of showed a racist ass. When it comes Mm. to talking about Ukraine, talking about the the refugee crisis, talking about uh, the ongoing war that's taking place in the country. And I appreciate uh, that journalists in Chicago have been able to cover not only Ukrainian village, uh, but stories that are coming out of Ukraine with a sense of nuance, a a sense of empathy, um, but but also with some criticality. Um, One thing that in this piece that really stuck out to me is uh, at one point they were talking about how. Her aunt and uncle felt regret that they had to leave. Um, and, and it's just a reminder to people that, you know, even as you are kind of inundated with these kind of American imperialist stories of immigrants coming here for for better opportunity, there is a large swath of immigrants who come here and they do not want to leave their home. They yeah. would much rather be living prosperously in their home. Um, and so my hope is that we continue to, to bring attention to not only this conflict, uh, but other conflicts that are fueling refugee crisis around the world. And And so shout out to the Chicago journalists who are, who are covering these stories in yes. both very um, kind of beautifully informative ways, but also in some very uh, great humanist ways as well. So, so shout out in both of those uh, regards. Quinn, I know with you living in Ukrainian village, uh, reporting on this neighborhood that you've been following uh, the ongoing rallies and, and refugee resources very closely.
2: Yeah, totally. And um, a, a story I was going to talk about, or I will save it a little bit for later in the show. But um, yeah, you know, something I will say right now is I'm struck everyone I meet in Ukrainian village or around the city who is U- is Ukrainian or has family in Ukraine, they are so, they all have, an, uh, they all have a story. Like I met someone uh, yesterday whose uncle uh, is a double amputee living in Kyiv and he can't leave. And now her cousins can't leave because they have to feed him and take care of him. So I've really feel like the, the war for me feels very far away but also very close at the same time. And I think a lot of people here in Chicago feel that way um, and feel just kind of a sense of helplessness.
0: There are some stories that may not get that amount of light that don't always have a press conference at the red line or, or have rallies marching up and down the street. And so we wanna make sure every Friday that we're also pointing out those under hype stories as well. Uh Quinn, what was an under hype story for you this week?
2: So I don't know if this was under as is in it the larger story was covered a lot, but every year kind of one of my favorite stories of the year. It's actually kind of a sad story every year, but I always learn a lot is Preservation Chicago's most endangered buildings and sites yeah. around Chicago. But one side I want to highlight is I would say my favorite place in all of Chicago. And I think a lot of people agree it's Promontory Point on the South Side in Hyde yeah. Park. Um, maybe the best swimming spot in Chicago, um, partly because there are no lifeguards, uh, and they won't yell at you if you go swim too far, which is a whole, you know, maybe that's a bad thing. Um, but Promontory Point is on the list. Um, and if you've been to the point, um, you know, it has these limestone outcroppings surrounding it, part of the original design, uh, that kind of give it its unique charm. I would say people lie out on the rocks, they jump in off the rocks, they're barbecuing, they're hanging out. It's really kind of this, there's nowhere else like it in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, So the point made the list this year, the endangered, uh, most endangered sites and buildings, because the city um, is talking about replacing all of that limestone um, with a concrete barrier, similar to what you've seen more farther north on the lake, kind of Montrose Harbor. Uh, And there definitely are some issues with the limestone outcroppings, the limestone revetments, I think they're called. You know, they are falling apart in some places and they definitely need some serious TLC. Um, but there's been this effort uh, by a bunch of Hyde Parkers and now Preservation Chicago to try to retain the original design of the limestone, which gives it that kind of, um, you know, flavor of the point. And also it just thinking about today made me think about summertime in Chicago and how close yet so far away we are from that right now.
0: Yeah, I I was not familiar with this list before last year because there was such a big push uh, to protect or do something with the Thompson Center and it had been constantly making this list. Uh, And so that's when I got hip to it. But I mean... The, the cool buildings on here from the, the Central Park Theater in North Lawndale uh, to buildings that have very long and, and kind of heartbreaking stories like the Cabrini Green row houses are on here. Uh, but Promontory Point was definitely one that uh, stuck out to me. You know, I'm, I am stay in High Park, me and the homies constantly go down there. We ain't swimming. I'm not going to lie to you. We is not jumping off the limestone. But, you know, we rolling up, we barbecuing, we singing songs, we, we throwing the football around. We having a good time during the summer. We are you know, Juneteenth, we are down at, at Promontory Point. Fourth of July, we down at Promontory Point. Uh, so my hope is that the city, uh, again, just listens to the community as they go to make this choice. That's a conversation we've been having so much on this show. And I, I can't say listening is a cure all or a fix all, but I do think it's the first step to like a sort of inclusive development strategy in this city is make sure the people in the neighborhood are involved in the conversation and, and so the people who have been fighting for promontory point uh to be preserved have, have been loud and, and have got their story out there shine you ever kicked it down to promontory point i
1: have not no i'm like i gotta get out there man what am i am missing out <laughs> <laughs> hey
0: will the sun go come out sooner with, with daylight savings time we're gonna be pushing that sun further into the afternoon into the evening and, and you know we'll blink and 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 we'll look up in the summer. We'll be here, and you'll get out there. Uh, but what was a story that you definitely want to bring some more attention to this week?
1: So, um, one thing that that the Sun Times does that they did this week um, was sort of list cool things that are happening around the city for the week. Um, And obviously this week, everybody knows, well, if you don't know, you're about to know. Saturday, you know, we're doing the whole die in the river, St. Patrick's Day, the whole thing. Uh, But one thing that really stood (laughs) out to me at the Museum of Contemporary Photography, um, where I've never been, to be honest, didn't even know that was something that we had here, um, they have a whole exhibit called Beautiful Diaspora slash You Are Not the Lesser Part. And this... Exhibit brings together uh, 15 global artists of color who are sort of taking shots at the idea of global segregation and, and the lines that divide us um, and and really putting it into perspective and really showing it. And so there's artists uh, who are drag performers from the Ivory Coast to migrants to domestic workers, uh, Hong Kong, Mexico. I mean, just so many different artists uh, from so many different place, places around the world um, really blew me away. And, and I was really excited to see that such an exhibit was taking place in our city and that we were able to draw in artists from from places like the Ivory Coast to be able to say, I want my work to be in the city of Chicago, one of the most segregated cities in the country, if, if we're being honest, right? If you have time this weekend, you know, you can see the river die green any year, right? Like, come on, once you see it once... You ain't gotta see it again, right? Like, okay. But this this And if you
0: go see it, you'll be you'll be right down there. You'll be right near it
1: anyway, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, no, the again, the beautiful diaspora you are not the lesser part is an ongoing photo exhibit at the Museum of Contemporary Photography at the Columbia College, uh at at Columbia College in Chicago. I'm definitely gonna have to check it out.
2: Yeah, Uh, are we really ready for St. Patrick's Day? Like (laughs) Maybe Is there a lesson from the pandemic? Like we could have just dialed it back a little bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, the city already announced that three parades is kicking off this week. Downtown, South Side, Northwest Side, the Diana River Green. So uh, I think that's a perfect way to transition because I know for somebody somewhere listening, that's some good news for them. Oh, for sure. uh, So let's make sure we give people some moments of joy uh, to take with them into the weekend. Uh, Cheyenne, I'm going to start with you. What's your some good news? to get the people through the weekend. Yes,
1: yes. Um, Well, I'm going to actually talk about what I did today. Um, I was out on the south side uh, and I was marching with a a few folks who were uh, celebrating or commemorating uh, the 200th birthday of none other than is Harriet Tubman. Um, and they were mm-hmm. they were walking down 79th Street and uh, across the Dan Ryan and just, I mean, the amount of energy that was there, it wasn't a lot of people, uh, but the amount of energy that was there and the fact that they were calling attention to, hey, this was our ancestor. She did this for us. And you know what, we're carrying this legacy forward. And we're at the same time, they were drawing attention still to the missing black women and girls that, that have gone missing here, not just in our city, but around the country. And it was just a moment where I kind of stepped back and I was like, I'm watching these black women take this upon themselves to say, we're doing this. We are going to make sure that everybody in our community knows what it is that we're doing. And it was a moment where you kind of like sit back and and you think to yourself, we got some powerful women up in this up in this city right in here, and I loved it, mm-hmm. and it was it was beautiful to see. I'm
0: again, I'm so glad that you were able to, able to join us from out there. Shout out to Kids Corner, one of the organizations uh, that was responsible for this march. Shout out to organizations like Girls in the Hood. Earlier this uh, in our run, we talked to the people behind Unforgotten Fifty One, uh, which was a, a student ran journalist collective that was drawing more attention. Uh, you know, Bobby Rush has tried to bring more attention places like Healthyhood Chicago. Uh, because we, we don't talk nearly enough about the other pandemics, epidemics that are going on in our city. And one of them is the lack of attention that gets paid to the life of young black girls in this city. And when they go missing, they do not get the same attention. Again, Cheyenne, thank you so much for drawing attention to that. Thank you so much for being in your car right now with your big ass coat back on after you just got uh, got a little 50, 60 degrees a couple you know days or weeks ago. I appreciate you joining us from the car. It really means a lot to us. Quinn, what, what was that moment of joy for you? What was that some good news that you want to lead a listener with?
2: Yeah, well, I think my moment of joy is kind of, it it coincides with a moment of pain and just to go back to the Ukraine um, situation um, and how it's being, uh, you know, the impact here in Chicago. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I stopped by um, the studio of the uh, Haromovitsya Ukrainian Dance Ensemble of Chicago. They're a Mm -hmm. Ukrainian uh, folk dance group and they also have a school to teach Ukrainian dances to kids. I got stopped by the um, dance studio yesterday because the uh, ensemble is teaching uh, dance classes via Zoom to kids in Kyiv right now. They connected um, with a group of school kids between the ages of six and 10. And for 45 minutes, uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, morning time here in Chicago, um, and it's early evening then in Kyiv, um, these kids get a 45-minute kind of distraction from um, the war outside they get to move around a lot of them uh, I think are stuck in their houses they can't leave because of how dangerous dangerous it is outside and uh, it was a moment of joy to watch these These little, these kids pop, their heads pop up on Zoom Mm -hmm. and they were so excited to be there and they're getting up and they're, they're shuffling around and spinning. And then, you know, uh, the dancers led them in through a, uh, traditional Ukrainian folk dance, um, for about, you know, 40 minutes. And then that was it. Um, so that was a great little moment that I wrote about, uh, in the story that came out, uh, this week in Block Club. Um, so I think, you know, those highlighting those moments is, you know, really a privilege of, um, of my job. And I think probably of all of our, Jobs right is finding that little moment of good in the in the mess right, and I think uh, that was inspiring to, for me to see yesterday.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Again, like trying to capture uh, these moments of joy while also. Spreading awareness. As always, I really appreciate the work that you all do over at Block Club Chicago when you click into any particular neighborhood where it's whether it's Inglewood, whether it's, you know, Westtown, the Ukrainian village, whether it's, uh, you know, Rogers Park. You're going to see a mixture of the concerns of the neighbors. Uh, so shout out to you, Quinn, and, and all of your colleagues over at Block Club Chicago and the work that y'all do. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, my some good news for the people is a- another one of them sort of made up as holidays. Right. There are so many <laughs> of them. Let's just be real. But one holiday that I'm, I'm getting down with this particular year is three one two day. It's a holiday that was created a little bit over a decade ago by Goose Island over on the west side. Um, and each year they kind of do a celebration. It's been impacted by the pandemic. Uh, but this year, things are getting back together. There's going to be music. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be uh, community out there. But there are also going to be shows all around the city. You can see the My's over at the hideout. Uh, They're going to be shows at Fitzgerald and Berwyn. You can see Yola Tango at Talia Hall. Uh, They're going to be shows at Lincoln Hall. But me. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I'm going to see my homie Mick Jenkins outside of Goose Islands Fulton Street Tap Room and Brewery. I love Mick from the Waters to Pieces of a Man to Elephant in the Room. Uh, I personally think he one of the maybe three or four best artists coming out of Chicago. Uh, so I'm excited. Hopefully it isn't too crowded. I know I'm gonna be masked up, trying to find social distance where I can. Uh, but luckily I'm going to the one that's outside, so I could breathe just a, a little bit easier. Again, I want to give a major shout out to our guests today, uh, Cheyenne Daniels from the Sun Times and Quinn Myers from Block Love Chicago. Uh, as always, it's my sincere pleasure to have y'all stop by. Y'all do the work to bring some stories and break them down for me. Uh, so it means a lot.
2: Thanks so much, Jacoby. It's such a pleasure to be with you.
1: Thank you so much. Really enjoyed being here and, and, and having the chance to talk with y'all. It was fun.
0: Before I let you go, uh, you heard me ask our guests what they were doing on March 11, 2020, so I also wanted to ask the team if they remembered. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, can you think back to two years ago and what you were doing?
1: I mentioned this on the podcast at the
2: top of the week, but... On March 11th, 2020, I saw Bug at Steppenwolf in Lincoln Park.
0: Producer Simone Alisea, can you remember March 11th like it was yesterday?
1: I was in Seattle at the time, and when March 11th rolled around, my newsroom was already neck deep in near daily press conferences about COVID-19.
0: Newsletter writer Sydney Madden, uh, how did that day go for you? On this day two years ago, I found out that classes were canceled. I was a junior at the University
1: of Illinois, and I finished my semester from home in Chicago.
0: And joining us from Denver, roving producer Lizzie Goldsmith, uh, what was March like two years ago?
1: So I was working as a kickboxing instructor in March of 2020, and I vividly remember the day the gym closed.
0: And as you heard from me, that was the last day I taught classes downtown, uh, and it's been two years since I stepped in a classroom. Uh, we also want to hear from you. Can you remember what you were doing two years ago on March eleven, 2020? Feel free to send us an email, reach out to us on Twitter, or just go ahead and text us or leave us a voicemail at 773-780-0246. I'll leave all of those things, the email, the handle, the phone number in the show notes. So if you weren't able to get it down, I got you. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. At least I'm going to speak for City Cash Chicago. I feel like we give people the space to come and just be like, man, just like talk your shit. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, do your thing sure. how you need to do it. So, so I appreciate y'all for dropping by.